Hello, I'm Neil Aitchison and welcome to the Work Warwick podcast. You join me at the third British Shakespeare Association conference here at the University of Warwick. And the subject of this podcast is Shakespeare's interface with the internet and specifically blogging the bard. Joining me straight from their seminar on Shakespeare blogs is Andrew Dixon, the art editor of the Guardian website. And with him is Peter Kerwin, who has just completed his master's degree on Shakespeare at the University of Warwick and writes the Bardathon Theatre Review blog. Uh, Andrew, just turning to you, just give us an idea of what's out there in the blogosphere then. What type of blogs are there on Shakespeare? It's almost impossible to say there is such a variety. I mean, you know, people say the World Wide Web, and I think that's really genuinely true in the past few years, particularly there's been a kind of massive explosion in the varieties of, of writing and different kinds of writing out there. Within blogs, you know, I mean, it's sometimes said, um, possibly rather negatively, that there are more blogs than people to read them. Um, you know, more people write blogs than, than read other people's blogs. And I think that's true. I mean, you look at a search engine such as Technorati, which is the major blog search engine, and, you know, millions, gazillions, gazillions of pages. I mean, millions of them. So I think in, in terms of Shakespeare, um, there are specific ones, such as uh, Peter's blog, The Bardathon, uh, which is very kind of focused on, on one particular thing. I'm sure Peter will talk about that. Um, there are also kind of what I mainly do, uh, which are theatre blogs, people writing about theatre, whether from a kind of critical perspective, they're reviewers and they want a little bit more time and space to do a different kind of writing. Or there are people who are just writing, as it were, from a kind of audience perspective, view from the stalls sort of thing. And uh, also joining us on the panel today was uh, Natasha Tripney, who writes a very good blog called Interval Drinks, which is kind of a, a rather nicely sort of alcohol-centric view of London theatre. So there's an enormous range and it's really impossible to say you know any one thing about it I think. Uh, just to turn to the, the specific then then um, Peter just describe your blog then. Well um, my blog uh, grew out of the fact that I was one of the um, handful if that of individuals who went to see the entire um, Complete Works Festival um, at the Royal Shakespeare Co- uh, Company. As there were a lot of performances in that which were only on for a, si- a single performance, uh, a lot which sold out very quickly um, and a lot which was just impossible to get tickets for, I was asked to keep a, a record of what I was um, of what of what I was seeing and what I was doing. Um, and the blog grew out of that as a way of recording my thoughts, publishing my thoughts, telling people what I'd been uh, telling what I'd been, been seeing. Um, and as the festival closed, I uh, I've decided to keep it going and 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 keep updating people on my theatre theatre going. And it's sort of, it's a review of the performance. Absolutely, um, it's a review. But what blogs allow you to do more than traditional theatre reviews is inject a lot more of you, yourself into them you can um you're not limited by word counts you can you can digress you can post about um post thoughts or or news alongside the reviews and you can keep a very personal because you're writing for yourself first and then for people who chance upon it second you can you can be a lot more personal and and potentially take more risks uh in a, in a blog and that opens up the discussion a little bit doesn't it uh, so turning back to you andrew what, what do you think are the, are the benefits of blog on Shakespeare then is this sort of opening up uh, the discussion of Shakespeare to a far wider audience uh, or is it uh, a bit of sort of meaningless chatter really personal people's personal view about Shakespeare who perhaps don't really know a lot about Shakespeare again it, it comes down to the, the, the kind of blogs that are out there there are some undeniably some some terrible blogs some terribly written blogs that add absolutely nothing to the sum of human knowledge or ingenuity or anything give a fairly poor account of, of people's thinking patterns and writing patterns but then there are blogs and um, Peter's is, is, is one of them which are, are really terrific and engaging and genuinely doing something new I think generally in this as in many things that I do try to be an optimist about it I think that um, blogging for all that it's a 
a developing genre and and it has many flaws there are lots of problems with it still it opens up uh, space for a new kind of writing peter alluded to that sense of the, of the personal you know that there is a way in which you can write about things which contains the first person pronoun much more you know a lot of i in it and i think that's that's true i noticed that you know when i've been commissioning uh, my own critics of the guardian to write on a blog you know the first thing i say to them is look you know you can allow yourself to use use the letter i in this describe yourself allow yourself into it that's what it's all about and i think that that's valuable because at the end of the day um a lot of people who write about theatre in a kind of professional capacity end up somehow sort of steaming away uh, cleaning away the sense of uh, of their own personality and trying to kind of write more from a kind of official or journal of record point of view and i think if something of the interest and personality comes through that you would you know turn to someone at the theatre a friend at the theatre and if 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 that kind of dynamic and conversation happens on a blog then i think that's a wonderful thing turning to the to the blogger then that's uh, presumably pretty feel that uh, blogging on Shakespeare is beneficial? I think so. Um, one of the one of the difficulties which has, has always, well, certainly for the last century, has always blighted Shakespeare is the idea of it. it's it's something of high cultural value, something that's inaccessible to, to many people, something that you have to have a certain, have to have studied or read or... And at the end of the day, especially for, for a lot of young people going to see Shakespeare who, who are un- unfamiliar with the language, it can be it can be difficult. What blogs allow people to do is to go online and find accessible reviews they, they don't have to to, to buy what to buy the broadsheets they don't have to spend 50 pounds on a ticket but they can kind of see this this discourse in in our own language and in, in the language of the internet about the plays and, and i've had i've had um comments on my blog from from school children who've, who've gone to see their first shakespeare play and found that i've review, reviewed the production and have just emailed in with their own thoughts and they're not they're not academic thoughts, they're just immediate emotional responses to, to the play. And, and I think that's very important that, that blogging provides provides a connection where people can, can talk can talk about these plays even without a degree. So really we're talking about, Andrew, perhaps a change in criticism of, of reviewing Shakespeare here. And uh, is that a good thing, do you think? I think it has the capacity to be a good thing. Um, I think that change generally, um, criticism is always evolving. You know, that as has even as as papers resize, a lot of papers have gone tabloid. Obviously, broadsheets have gone tabloid in in recent years. Space is often cut for reviews. They're, they're sometimes the very first thing to go. Um, I think blogging does have a lot to offer um, because I think it does allow those voices that, that Peter is, is talking about into the discussion. It allows them into the debate, it allows them a kind of a, an option to say something where previously they would have had to be silent. Of course, in reality, as with, with many things, there are, there are lots of issues surrounding it and, you know, kind of badly spelled, badly thought out reviews of Shakespeare don't really sort of add anything to anyone. And it would be nice if, if, if blogging technology enabled, for instance, you know, kind of a better use of people's comments. You know, if you could sort through, some, I'm just thinking sometimes on the Guardian blog we get up to 500, 600 comments on a particular thread. Try to sort through those and make sense of them is almost impossible and you wouldn't want to do it if we had uh, a cute piece of software that enabled us to kind of sort through that or allow people indeed to to rate other people's comments and uh, suggest uh, reasons why they think that comment was particularly helpful I think that's another way of, of, of emulating something which is a little bit more like a real life conversation. And it takes criticism though or theatre reviewing uh, beyond the elite of viewers for, that write for national papers uh, for instance that's a benefit? I think it is yeah, because um, it's very important that we have critics, and I think as a, as a newspaper editor, as an arts editor, I feel that it's very important that we have critics. You know, trusted voices, people who we employ reliably to go and see and to produce a considered opinion. Someone like Michael Billington, for instance, who you know, who's seen 
every major Shakespeare production over the past 25, 30 years. That's an incredible asset. We wouldn't want to squander that at all. However, given that there is limited space, it's nice to be able to offer... Um, an availability, a sense of, uh, of of air, of oxygen almost, to, to other people, other voices, fresh people coming into the game, not just as reviewers necessarily. We were talking very interestingly earlier today about the ways in which people aren't necessarily just trying to be reviewers. They don't want to be reviewers. They want to write about theatre in a different kind of way. And I think it's something that the great critics of the past, you know, Tynan, Levin... Hazlitt even would have recognised and supported. You know, you read Hazlitt's writing on Shakespeare, a lot of it is rather bloggy in a, in a, in a strange kind of way. It's very personal, it's very vivid, it's very much like, this is the reason I genuinely think that Shakespeare is wonderful. So if blogging can do that, I think absolutely yes, terrific. Is that going to put the recognised critics, the people that you employ then and, and, and work with, out of a job? I don't think so. I think that there will still be a call for people to exercise their judgment, um, to draw on lots of experience, to be specialists in their field. I think absolutely that's very, very important. I think, however, the ecology of reviewing and of criticism has expanded because of blogging, and I think that newspapers such as The Guardian, uh, Times, Telegraph, uh, doing similar things, trying to understand these new forces and deal with them and to an extent try to welcome them in um, and I think that is really important to do so I don't think anyone's going to lose their job they might find that their job changes slightly or that they have to think differently about their job I don't think that would be a bad thing uh, and it's about democratising uh, the, the reviewing process I think it, it is I think allowing new people in to say new things and whatever they want to say I think that is about democracy all kinds of democracy as we know require certain forms of governance and of law and everything else and the internet is at times a bit of a kind of wild west where laws and governance don't always work terribly well but I think, as I say, it's a really evolving thing. It's changing all the time. It's terribly exciting. And I think as a newspaper, as a website, um, we have to stay on top of that and acknowledge it because the world is changing and we can't just pretend it isn't. Peter, uh, do you think uh, Shakespeare would approve of blogs? That uh, Is that something he would uh, support, do you think? I think he would. I mean, we, we know that Shakespeare wasn't reliant on the professional critics. And I think he would have been very interested in the voices of of the everyman and then in multiple opinions of, of, of his plays um, so I've, I think Shakespeare would have been in favour of it and I think it's also true that from a theatrical history point of view that a lot of the things the most interesting things that we know about theatre history before professional critics existed come from the kind of people who perhaps might be bloggers people like Thomas Platter the Swiss tourist who saw Henry V mm. at the Globe or Simon Foreman who saw various productions um, you know he happened to keep a diary or a journal or record of some kind those things will probably make themselves onto the internet now and I think reading blogs reading different accounts of productions that can only be a good thing more pairs of eyes in the theatre from the perspective of a theatre historian has got to be a really positive invention I think that's all for this episode. There'll be more from the British Shakespeare Association conference at the next Will at Warwick podcast. <laughs>